Good afternoon and welcome to MoneyWeb at Midday with myself, Nastasia Arances, standing in for Warren Thompson this uh midday. It's uh, 12 o'clock on the dot and uh, we're joined on the line by Gary Boyson who's a portfolio manager at Rand Swiss. He's going to be taking us uh, through the markets and we're going to have a look back at the week that was. But before we get into all of that, uh, let's take a quick ad break and then we'll discuss everything uh, trade or Trump related. We'll also look at how uh, the local JSC is performing. MoneyWeb has a unique opportunity for financial advisors. Through our Click and Advisor offering, advisors can interact with a growing investor-based audience and attract new clients. To find out more, visit www.moneyweb.co.za. This show is brought to you by the Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. Uh, joining me on the line is Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss. Gary, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So how are we looking thus far? Well, it's a little bit of a, a quiet today after a very, very volatile week. So we are pretty much flat on the, the top 40 at the moment, but uh, it certainly doesn't really tell the story of what we've seen over the last couple of days. Mm. Speaking of the last couple of days, I mean, I was having this conversation uh, with Anthea Gardner from um, Cartesian Capital, and we were talking about Nasperis. And I was saying to her that, you know, in the beginning of the week, it appeared as though it was going through some kind of downward slide. And then suddenly, you know, Wednesday afternoon, it had this bit of a pickup. And I mean, I saw a tweet from somebody saying that there there was a bit of a rumor in in the air. It's not confirmed yet. We don't know anything. But there was a rumor going around that there is a possibility that Nasperis may have purchased their own shares. And she got all excited when I said that. What do you make of what's going on with the movements in Nasperis? Is it anything you can understand at this point? Yeah, so again, it's it's always difficult to you know strip out the exact reason for for market movements because uh, markets are anonymous. But uh, looking at it uh, again, the the big volatility that we saw on on Tuesday after coming back from the the long weekend uh, was largely driven by by trade war fears and and also the the sell off that we've seen in the U.S. tech players. Now now some of that U.S. tech sell off is feeding through international as a share price as well. So that's why we saw that big dip off on on Tuesday and it was very broad based and we saw saw a very quick recovery. It looked looked it's almost like automatic selling as well. Mm. Um, you know, if we look at Nasdaq specifically, the, I think the, the real question around the company has been whether you are going, whether they were going to repurchase their own shares or whether they were going to use the, the 2% um, uh, sale of Tencent, the, the funds raised from that, um, to then go and invest in new businesses and, and essentially try and find the, the, the next Tencent. Now, the market has been, been fairly clear on what, what it was looking for. I mean, uh, they see that uh, you know, NASPAS obviously trades at a significant discount to, to the, the, the ruling price of Tencent shares in, in Hong Kong, and, they, you know, and, and they're saying that uh, real value can be unlocked by simply selling off that stake and, and uh, using it to re, uh, re, repurchase NASPERS shares because um, essentially you would then help to, to narrow the discount. Management has come out and said that they're not interested in that sort of financial engineering mm. and that they would uh, be in favor of, of um, you know, growth of, of a buyback. So they're, they're looking for organic growth. They're looking to invest in things like Delivery Hero in, in, in food businesses, in e-commerce platforms across the world. And they believe that the, the rump will then eventually be revalued accurately. Now, the problem with that is the, the rate of return that, that they are going to require over the next say three to five years is significant uh, when compared to the what they, what they could have had by via the share buybacks now that uh, I mean if you kind of read analyst commentaries is giving uh, you know the sell side guys a, a very measurable uh, yardstick uh, to measure these uh, to, to measure management's performance and uh, they're going to have to do uh, some 
pretty spectacular things over the next couple of years to to justify the decision not to go with a share buyback. So. Mm. No, it's it's certainly going to be interesting, and and I think unfortunately for for the company, the um, you know the kind of investments that are, they are making are, are long term. If you look at uh, you know Tencent, Tencent was a you know it's been a 17 year investment for them, and and the the money that they put to work now is, is probably not going to generate uh, the kind of cash flows that that investors are hoping for in the next three to five years. So it's it's, it's very much a long term view that the company has taken, and and I think the market is looking for a quick win here. So mm. yeah, it's, it's certainly any any sort of rumors that that they would have uh, favoured share buybacks of, uh, over, you know, investment in, in further rump companies would, would have been received very, very positively. But again, very difficult to strip that out. You know, you mentioned the word uh, or the term financial engineering, and I started smiling and thinking of a company called Steinhoff because uh, they made news uh, this week where they're saying that, you know, we're going to shelve this controversial plan to approve these once-off payments to members of its supervisory board. And even though, I mean, I'm not a Steinhoff shareholder and I've never been one, it, it doesn't say to me that you have scrapped the plans. All it says to me is that you're pushing it back and you still need to take it to shareholders for approval. But I, I don't know whether this is an actual great idea. What do you think? Uh, you know, look, looking at Steinhoff, I mean, there's, there's going to be all sorts of postures. It almost reminds me of the trade war. Um, you know, looking at Steinhoff at this stage, it's, it's very difficult, and it's very difficult to value, and there's still, you know, so much uncertainty around the stock. Um, I mean, we, we kind of saw the, the valuations on some of their property uh, businesses being, you know, dramatically reduced as well. So, you know, it, it, it's a very difficult question around Steinhoff, and, and, you know, you're kind of getting different news flow uh, mm-hmm. around the company, you know, almost almost on a weekly basis. So, again, I mean, we've seen the share price under under a lot of pressure still. I mean, we, we've seen no sort of recovery, and, and I think the, the likelihood that, that, that uh, ordinary shareholders are, are going to get a, a recovery is very, very low. I think the, the winners here are going to be the, the banks that, that managed to pick up uh, some, some, I think, fairly decent assets at, at, at very reasonable prices, but it's the debt holders that that will benefit, uh, unfortunately, and not the equity holders. Here's something that could be positive, depending on whether you're keen on it. Uh, Consul this week uh, on sensing that they're looking at coming back to the JSC and raising about 2.7 billion rand. For you as a portfolio manager, um, whether we're talking Consul or we're talking any other company, is it encouraging that companies are now coming back to the JSC? Are you getting a sense that there's a there's a different mood in the air when you look at the economy or even companies on the JSC? Has confidence come back? There's no question that the mood is very different in, in 2018 to, to the mood in 2017. And I think it's, it's incredibly positive to see, see new listings, and especially listings uh, like Consul. I think uh, looking at the Consul listing, it's certainly going to help uh, you know, portfolio managers that are, are holding Bright. Who, who I think that company is, is uh, you know, it's a big uh, uh, equity holder, uh, private equity holder of Consul, and I think they could use the, the cash injection. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely, I think, you know, looking at Consul, looking at their client base, I mean, they they you have clients like AB InBev, Heineken, Diageo. Um, it's it's a, a significant listing, and it's uh, it's going to you know I suppose broaden the spread of uh, available investment options for South African capital and and for you know players uh, players that invest via local exchange. So I think all around new listings are certainly positive. Um, you know when they're the quality of console, but uh, again you you kind of don't want to see the the low quality listings coming to market. Yeah. We hope the, the hope the JSE uh, you know puts a stop to, to guys listing with negative equity, I don't want to give your age away, but uh, looking back at the all the years that you've been participating in this market, 
Moray and Roberts caught my attention this week because not because um, they are subject of a potential takeover bid, but because for me, I thought there was it was unusual and I've never seen it where a company comes out and says, you know what, um, the offer that you've given us is below fair value. But this is where we see uh, something that would attract us. This is where we see the company at 22 Rand per share. Is that normal? Does that normally happen when you think back? Um, yeah, it, it does happen now and again. I mean, it, it, it's it's often done behind closed doors, and I think they're just being a little bit more transparent. Mm. But uh, certainly, it, it's part of the negotiation process, and uh, and absolutely. I mean, I think uh, you know, <laughs> looking at Marion Roberts at the moment, I think it does significantly undervalue the company. It's uh, you know, it's, it's a tough sector to be operating in. There's no question. But uh, I think you know, we we live in a different world from 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 uh, you know where, where we previously did. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and these days, you know, everything is more public. I mean, we can see that again just from the, the use of Twitter and, and how, you know, U.S. presidents can, can move markets just by saying that they're going to, uh, that they're going to you know, advise that, uh, you know, further trade tariffs come in. So uh, the fact that Marion Roberts is kind of publishing where they see their valuation, I think, I think it's, it's perfectly reasonable. All right. Let's take a quick ad break. And then when we come back, uh, we'll talk about the U.S. Uh, unemployment figures that are supposed to come out today at 2.30 this afternoon. It's uh, nine minutes after 12, and I'm continuing my discussion with Gary Boyson, who's a portfolio manager at Rand Swiss. Uh, Gary, we're expecting uh, unemployment figures out of the U.S. this afternoon at um, at 2.30, if I'm not mistaken. When you are expecting these figures, I mean, th- this, this sort of, I don't know whether you want to call it concern or it's what the market is it's sort of weighing, but it's the concern is around whether the whatever the figures come out to, it could either keep the momentum that is happening right now on the Dow Jones or the S&P and i.e. that momentum being an upward momentum or it could break it. Where do you see what the figures could be leading to uh, this afternoon? You know, so obviously the non-farm payroll figures are an incredibly important number. If you, if you look at all the, the economic data releases across the world, uh, it's generally the, the, the non-farm payroll figure does generate the, the most volatility in, in markets, be it, be it currency markets, uh, commodity markets, or stock markets. Now, looking at, at the payrolls number, in the, in the past it's always uh, very much been an indication of, of uh, you know, where, how the Fed is going to think about uh, you know, its interest rate policy and, and monetary policy because we, we've had unemployment above a frictional level. So they're kind of focusing on that employment level. Obviously, as employment uh, moves towards full employment, we, we've kind of tried to read these numbers uh, as an indicator of a, a withdrawal of stimulus. Now, at the moment, we've got, got U.S. unemployment rate pretty much frictional, which means, it, you know, at, at kind of, you know, 4.1%, you don't imagine that that's going to drop too much further. That 4.1% captures the idea that people are between jobs, you know, because of natural causes. It's, it's not because there's something fundamentally wrong with the system. Mm. Um, now, looking at these numbers, uh, you can't really look at the headline numbers, and it's, it's very much going to be the, the, the growth in, in, in the wage inflation. So average hourly earnings, I think, is going to probably be a more important indicator. Um, and if we do start seeing uh, wages increasing in the U.S., that, that's certainly going to be inflationary. And because that's going to be inflationary, we're going to see the um, you know expectations around further rate hikes from the Fed coming through. So uh, it's, still, it's still an absolutely critical number, but uh, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it changed a little bit in the way that uh, I think people need to read it. Mm.
When you get into the office, Gary, and you turn on your your fancy screens, uh, are you seeing that the, the all aboard, all across the the board, the theme is volatility, or are you seeing it in a sense that away from the political noise, the the fundamental backdrop of markets is still the same? Um, it's, I think it, we, we're almost getting a, a more of a return to normal, to be honest. So looking at, at, at 2017, it, it was a very, very unusual period. Uh, volatility was incredibly low. I mean, if, if we look at uh, you know volatility measured by the, the VIX, which is the, the CBOE volatility index, um, we're sitting at about 18 now, which is, is not particularly high. We've been above 20, but I mean, it's elevated, but it, it's, it's, not, uh, it's, it's certainly not uh, crash territory or, 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 or extreme fear uh, that that we're seeing. And this, this for me is really a return to the way that markets uh, usually work. I mean, you know, to see, see corrections of, of 10, 15% in a stock market is a very normal thing. Um, and the fact that, you know, we went through 2017 where we had, uh, what, 15 months uh, with, without, without uh, going, with, without a single month being negative, it, it's very, very unusual. So uh, for me, looking at this, uh, I think this is, this is natural. This is, this is certainly not an indicator that we're, we're suddenly going to go down. 40% or that global growth is going to come to a grinding halt or companies are not going to be able to make profits and uh, you know there's going to be you know widespread unemployment and and, and, and a true global sell-off I, I don't see it I think this is uh, you know perhaps uh, you know very sensationalist headlines around mm-hmm. trade wars and I do think that level head level heads will prevail I mean yeah, I think everyone understands that uh, you know trade war between the, the, the world's two largest economies is going to be good for no one and and it seems like it, it's still just possible at this stage, but uh, the market is taking it seriously. Um, we've had, you know, part of the sell-off has also been kind of uh, company-based as well. So, I mean, we've obviously had the Facebook, uh, you know, the Facebook uh, uh, leaks and uh, data breach, and we've mm-hmm. had, uh, you know, again, the tweets, tweets against Amazon, which, uh, you know, as, as one of the world's largest companies, uh, it does, does influence things and does influence uh, sentiment around markets. But uh, overall, I think we we're still sitting in a fairly good position. I mean, the global economies are growing uh, fairly robustly. Uh, I think we, we think technological advances coming through. We've got U.S. earnings season starting in a couple of weeks, and, and we've got you know unprecedented share buybacks uh, you know set uh, you know in, in the last uh, in the last quarter. So mm-hmm. we should see that very very supportive of earnings as well. So you know, all in all, I think that, you know while yes there is there is political noise, uh, the, the global economy is actually in a, in a fairly strong place. Um, and there's no real indication that this should uh, should change. So for, for me, I'm still comfortable. I, I see this as kind of a, a buying opportunity. I was going to ask you that, whether you're seeing, um, you know, any value on the local front. Uh, locally, again, you, you look at the, the local situation and, and things, again, have, have changed quite dramatically from last year just with the, the kind of positive news that we've seen in, in terms of policy and, and, and certainly the, the reaffirmation of our, our ratings as well uh, by Moody's. And, and again, there has been a lot of optimism priced into stocks. So we've seen South African, uh, uh, the, South Af- the so-called South African ink stocks uh, recovering uh, you know, fairly aggressively, the likes of the banks and the retailers. But, but definitely there's uh, plenty, plenty of opportunities still in South Africa and I still think that uh, probably for the at least the, the next year or so, it, it's going to be the pick of the emerging markets. And mm. uh, you know, we we look at some of the some of the companies like in terms of their earnings, like especially in the, the smaller mid cap sector, and there are, are very very exciting opportunities there. But uh, you know, it, it takes time for markets to recognise it. It takes time for for capital to come in, and uh, you know, it takes time for optimism to build. And and, and when it does, uh, you know, things can start to get overheated. And I mean, I still remember you know. Retailers that that were you know 
trading on PEs of plus 30 that, that didn't yeah. have earnings growth of anywhere near 30% uh, a year. And, and it was just optimism around the, the African growth story and, and, and the desire for foreigners to come into our market. Those PEs have unwound. They're still not at kind of those record levels. So there probably is still some growth to go. But um, yeah, def- definitely still opportunities. But uh, I think you've got to be a little bit more picky. The, the, the mm. screaming bargains are gone. But, but certainly I don't think we're in oversold territory, at least overbought territory uh, at the moment. All right, that's uh, Gary Boyson, who's a portfolio manager at Rand Swiss. This show was brought to you by the Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. Numerology studies tell us that numbers have symbolic meaning. Number eight stands for success, four is stability, and three represents advantage. These qualities, over and above trust, ethics, and leadership, are embraced by CASA, the leading accounting, auditing, and tax business designation underpinned by ethical standards, delivering responsible business leadership to take your business to number one. Because business is more than just numbers. CASA, leaders in business. That's it from me, Nastasia Aron. So tune in later tonight on the SFM Market Update with Warren Thompson. 